Hello, this is Robert. Welcome to another week of Mindful Recovery, a podcast dedicated to helping you recover from trauma and addictions one breath at a time. Before we get started this week, I wanted to remind you that this podcast isn't a replacement for therapy. Therapy is a process that should be ongoing and much deeper than this. This is meant as a tool to help you regulate those emotional spaces that can be triggered between therapy sessions so that we're not constantly falling back into the past traumas and into cravings, addictions, things like that. That said, if you would like to get past episodes of Mindful Recovery and work your way through some of our mindfulness exercises, you can go to my webpage, www.mindfulrecoverypodcast.com. There you're going to find resources also if you go up to the tab that says resources and scroll down to Mindful Recovery Resources. You will find resources to help you deepen your meditation practice. Um, we're a little behind here with scheduling episodes and getting out the recorded content that I had promised you all weeks ago. Um, there's been some loss in my family recently quite a bit, so... I've been practicing my own mindful space and allowing myself the room to fall behind on a few things. Unfortunately, this podcast has been one of them, but I think we're back on track and we have some exciting interviews coming up in the coming weeks. I'll be interviewing a friend specializing in trauma and children, and I'm going to be interviewing someone else who specializes in Brene Brown's The Daring Way, which we're going to talk about a little bit today, although I really don't specialize on the level that she does. Uh, Brene Brown's always been one of my heroes. In addition, we're going to really start focusing on deepening that mindfulness practice. We're going to start working on bringing in some other um, practices and trying to, we're going to go over some of the techniques we've already used, but we're going to do this on a much deeper level. So this week, we're going to talk a lot about courage and in coming weeks, we're going to talk about things like deepening the observer. We discussed becoming the observer once, but we're going to really kind of deepen that exercise. And how do we observe those really, really painful places without getting lost in them? So some really good stuff coming up. I hope you'll stick with me. We're back on track. Hopefully no other tragedies that throw us off track here. Uh, remember to remain mindful through those hurt spaces, though. I've really practiced that a lot myself over the past few weeks, and I found it exceptionally helpful. I will say that the past three weeks have really challenged my own practice, and I want to reach out to those of you out there who are finding a challenge with your practice. Maybe it's just being able to sit still and quiet the monkey mind, the little monkeys that run around in our heads, the critical voices, the whatever. Maybe it's some other sticking point. I am available for consultation and for coaching, uh, if you just want to shoot me a brief email and I can answer your question in a few sentences, I'm absolutely more than happy to do that. My email address is robert at liferecoveryconsulting.com. And if you want to shoot me that email or if you feel like you're having bigger problems and you really just need some one-on-one -on -one coaching, maybe just an hour here or there, we can talk about doing that over Skype, too. So reach out to me by email at liferecoveryconsulting.com, and I am more than willing to help you in those areas. I know that I have been practicing myself for almost 30 years, and I found it a real challenge in the past couple of weeks to just be able to sit still for a minute. So I understand it uh, doesn't necessarily get easier. We just find it 
more easy to tolerate those those tough spaces. And that's what we're going to be talking about this week. This week, I wanted to talk about courage. Often courage is discussed in our society. Um, Brene Brown, who is an absolute hero of mine in some ways, is really changing the concept of courage, though, with her Daring Greatly series and beginning to go back to the root of the word of courage, which comes from cur, the Latin, to mean from the heart. So really, courage means to tell your whole truth from the heart or to speak fully from the heart. Um, so this idea of bravery is is very heart-centered. Sometimes dealing with these trauma memories, with addictions, with the anxieties that occur, takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of heart to stand and face those things. So that's kind of what I want to talk about today a little bit. You know, one of the rising misconceptions as the popularity of mindfulness shoots up around us is that if we practice this mindfulness space, we can free ourselves from any kind of pain. Um, that It will become easier for us to skip through life's rough spots. Not really so much. Um, pain is a guarantee in life, and you've heard me say this before, and you'll hear me say it again because it's one of my mantras, that pain is an absolute guarantee in life. Suffering doesn't have to be. Suffering is a choice. Suffering is what happens when we fail to live with courage, when we fail to stand and in these vulnerable spaces that Brene Brown talks about, we run away from our story. We fail to tell our story because we're afraid of rejection. We're afraid people won't understand. We're afraid that we won't be enough, whatever it is. We allow the fear to take over and the courage slides away and the suffering ensues. And often with that suffering, we begin to numb out. We reach for the drugs. We reach for whatever we're using, food perhaps, whatever it is. We reach for that numbing agent so that we don't have to cope with those feelings that we don't want to cope with. So really courage is about feeling the feelings, facing the fears, and doing it anyway. And often with trauma and addictions, this can lead to behaviors that we don't intend. We hurt people. We don't intend to hurt um, out of our desire to find the substance that will help us numb because of a lack of courage, which is not a moral failing. It's simply the hardest thing in the world is to stand in these spaces and just honor them and feel them. That's the hardest thing we'll ever do. That's much harder than facing tigers and lions. And often what we end up doing instead is reaching for the substance or reacting out of triggered trauma space, and, and the next thing you know, we've said something that's hurt someone. We don't even know why we reacted that way, because it was this kind of amygdala response from the fear, from the anxiety that got triggered. And so we've hurt someone, and now we have even a bigger courage space to stand in and make our apologies. And Because in not standing and facing that space, by running from the pain or by reacting out of the pain, we've created suffering both in our lives and other lives. So today we're going to take a look at that courage, what it takes, how do we generate it. We're going to work on a mindfulness exercise to try and help us hold that 
space, feel the hurt, and find the courage to move through it. You know, during the sum of the loss that my family suffered last week, my daughter, who is fairly young yet, she asked me, you know, how come it hurts this much? And I tell her, you know, that's how we know it was real. And it takes courage to move through it. How do you get through it, she says. You know, one of my favorite stories, um, I have friends who are Marines, and one of the things I know they do is they, they face going into situations where the odds are not good sometimes, knowing that certain members of their troop are not coming back from the battle, probably going to be wounded, that the risk is very high, and yet they have to do it because that's the mission, that's the job. And so they just gird up, they get courageous, they go through with it. They call that embracing the suck. They know it's going to suck, and they just learn how to embrace that moment and get through it, you know, and live with the discomfort. Now, for, for the military members, a lot of times it involves putting that trauma in a backpack, you know, in your little trauma pack that you carry with you, because you don't have time to process it. You don't have time to stop and mourn the loss of your friend next to you when you're still in the middle of a firefight. And so we can be that way too at times when we're suffering from trauma. You know, instead of facing it, we just stuff it in our little emotional backpack and tell ourselves we'll take care of it later. And then later comes and we have the space to honor that. We have the space to pull the stuff out of that emotional backpack. But something tells us that it's just better off staying put. And so we really lack the emotional courage at times. This is not a moral judgment when I say that we lack courage. Courage is that really hard place to go where we stand in the middle of this naked soul and we reach down in that emotional backpack and we pull these things out and we deal with them. And by not dealing with them, by leaving them in that backpack, they're always weighing us down. Just as surely as if they were bricks in that pack, they're weighing us down. And so the only way really to get through them, to get past them, is to pull them out and to look at them and to understand what they're made of and how they're changing our reactions in the moment, how they are deciding who we will be for us. And by looking at them, we can begin to decide how we want to act on them rather than reacting to them. These emotional spaces that often trigger what we discussed in the first episode of this podcast on the emotional brain, they trigger that limbic region, that kind of unthought response, that fear place just comes. And now if we can sit and find the courage, the real courage to look at these spaces and to hold them for a while, we can decide how we want to act on them. And we can tell them that they no longer hold power in our lives. The thing about monsters is, monsters, memories, scary places, they lose their power when we name them. This is as old in mythology as, as humanity itself, that if man ever wanted to gain control over anything, he gave it a name. This is why in the Bible, when Moses asked God, who do I tell tell them sent me? He says, tell them I am. You don't need to know my name because you're not going to gain control over me. So when we want to gain control over these monsters that we fear, 
We put a name on them. I joke with my clients, don't fear your monsters. Get to know them. Put them on a leash. Take them for a walk. This is how we begin controlling the fear that we feel. We have the courage to stand and face the monsters. Courage isn't something that we're born with. It's something that we learn. It's something that we condition by learning to embrace the suck. So let's get comfortable. Let's get started with this exercise. What I would like to do today is pick out one of those memories. I would really like you to not pick a memory that is too traumatic right now. Because if you're dealing with some really deep abuse, trauma, things like this, I would like you to be in a regulated space with your therapist before you try this exercise on those deeper memories. But maybe pick something out that has always caused you anxiety at a mid-level but not put you into a full-blown panic attack or disassociative state where the disassociative state would be where you leave, kind of take a mental vacation and you're no longer there. Um, if these memories are causing that, maybe it's better that we discuss with our therapist before we go there. But let's take one of those triggering places. Let's take one of those anxious moments. Let's begin to relax and just kind of get in our heads maybe a time that we felt the fear or the pain, and we really didn't want to deal with it. And so we just decided that stone was better left in the backpack, that we didn't need to pull it out right now. So whatever that was, whether it was rejection by an old lover or a former spouse, whether it was the death of a loved one, whatever that hurt space is, let's pull it out now. Let's get a hold of it. And let's just get relaxed. And as you feel the tension rise because you're thinking about that space, let's just breathe through that for a minute. As I go ahead and start the music, we're just going to practice our breathing for a minute and just get into that relaxed space that we've practiced so often before. And now, as you're focused on your breathing and feeling the relaxation as you breathe out, every time you breathe out, you feel your body sink and relax more. I want you to imagine a backpack on your back and feel its weight. How heavy is that pack? Is it terribly heavy? Has it been weighing you down for a long time? Can you feel those individual rocks, bricks in there? 
shape, what would they be shaped like, these stones? Be jagged, rough edges. Would you be afraid of cutting yourself if you pulled one out? Or would they be round and just extremely heavy? We're going to reach back in that pack and we're going to pull one of these memories out, one of these things that have been creating triggers for us. Whatever it is, whether it's loss or rejection, whatever that space is, we're going to pull one of those out. And we're going to imagine ourselves sitting now at a table. And we just set this stone on the table in front of us. And we begin to look at the size of this stone and the weight that it took in this pack that we've been carrying all this time. And we understand where it's coming from. And we just want to allow emotional space for this stone to feel what it's trying to teach us, what lessons does it bring, what kind of feelings is it bringing up, where do we feel the weight, the emotional weight of this stone in our body now that it's out of the pack, now that it's sitting in front of us. Is it tugging on us anywhere? Is it creating tension in our shoulders, our legs, our gut? When we look at this stone and we think about what it is, what what lays underneath it, what creates the emotional discomfort that makes us want to hold it in the pack instead of just dealing with it. And as we look at this stone in front of us on the table and as we get to know it, we get to learn where it comes from and how it can trigger us. Do we see it getting smaller? Can we take a few breaths and just breathe through where we feel that stone inside of us and watch it get smaller and lighter? Maybe it goes away entirely, maybe not. But let's just take some time in the next minute here and just practice breathing in and as we breathe out three two one we feel this stone begin to weigh less inside of us our understanding of it becomes more complete and with each breath out we watch it get smaller And we're just going to observe it for the next full minute.
And now that we've carried this stone long enough, we've spent the past minute or so looking at it and observing it. Has it gotten smaller? Has it gotten lighter? Is it something we can now get rid of entirely that we can put aside somewhere? Maybe we can just leave it on the table and walk away from it. Or maybe, maybe it's not time yet. Maybe we're not ready to give this up. And so we need to put it back in our pack. But can we make it smaller before we do that so that it's not quite the burden it was before? I want you to take some space and decide what you want to do with this stone now. Is it small enough? Light enough? That it's no longer a consequence to you that you can leave it on the table? Leave it behind? No longer give it power over you? Or is there more yet to be resolved with this and we put it back in our pack for a little while until we pull it out the next time? I want you to take a few more deep breaths. We're going to come back to ourselves, refocus, recenter. We feel the ground beneath our feet and the blood coming back, rushing through our veins. We come back to this here and now. Take a few more centering breaths and allow our eyes to refocus. So how was that exercise for you? Were you able to release that one thing that we pulled out of the pack? And this is something that we can do over and over as often as necessary until we begin to feel this these big events release their hold on us until we get a leash on that monster and we can take him out and take him for a walk whenever we want to or maybe we just decide we're going to leave him behind. Whatever it was you decided to do with that particular stone that you pulled out, give yourself space and time to heal from that particular place. Understand, as we said before, it might be several times we have to do this activity. So I hope that you found this useful today. I also want to remind you that if you go to the Mindful Recovery website, www.mindfulrecoverypodcast.com, com that you can find lots of resources there all of the back episodes and you can contact me sign up for our newsletter and you'll get notifications about when uh, the new episodes are coming out and ways that you can contact me i'll be releasing the information about new resources for mindfulness activities some expanded meditations that i'm creating that will be available As they become available, you'll get the notice before anybody else there. Um, In addition, you'll be able to reach out to me by email and just let me know if you're stuck in some places or just give feedback about what you're hearing. What episodes would you like in the future? What are some things you're struggling with that you would like to hear about, maybe get some psychoeducation about or learn how to deal with in a mindful space? So those are all possibilities. I look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks again for being with me for another episode of Mindful Recovery. And remember to take your recovery one breath at a time.